Jack Semlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2019 Precision Farming Dealer Podcast Series. In today's program, we hear from two precision industry insiders on what the market may hold for ag data sharing, both opportunities and obstacles to commoditizing farm information. If you're tuning in for the first time, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. Or if there's another app you prefer for listening to podcasts, let us know, and we'll look to get it added here as well. And just a reminder that by subscribing, you will be able to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released. Well, data sharing continues to be a source of both opportunity and irritation within the ag industry. While some farmers have pursued the potential advantages of sharing field data, others are reluctant to grant access, control, or ownership of that information to third parties. But regardless of what's driving the decision-making process at the field level, companies are aligning to leverage and capitalize on the value of collected farm data. Ag tech company Conservice recently partnered with Rabo AgriFinance to develop tools that help farmers connect real-time field data with financial reports. In today's Precision Farming Dealer podcast, we share excerpts from my conversation with Patrick Christie, founder of Conservice, and Robert Lovin, digital lead for Rabo AgriFinance, on some of the influential factors shaping the digital ag landscape, including the long-term strategy of precision partnerships, and the outlook for data being the new cash crop. Quick backgrounder, perhaps to myself, I've been uh, in the tech industry uh, at large, uh, enterprise software, defense, uh, compliance for most of my career. The last 10 years have been specifically in ag tech. I'm one of the founders of Conservus. Uh, today, I'm the head of all commercial activities, and you know we're operating <clears throat> as a company in 30 states in the U.S., um, Australia, uh, and we've been early in South America, specifically Argentina, and our clients are farms. We sell to farmers uh, directly, and our farmers are both in row crops of all flavors, uh, commodity crops to specialty crops, and then we're in permanent plantings, so thank tree nuts, avocados, wine grapes um, uh, at large. Based in Minneapolis, uh, I like you know, to uh, lovingly call the, uh, the the Silicon Valley of agriculture and um, have uh, a pretty extensive uh, engineering team that is uh, building products uh, that operate at the farm but also interconnect with all the different providers to the farmer. So think machinery, uh, offtake providers, input providers, and a variety of other connectors. I've been in agriculture my entire career, uh, last 26 years, and since been a part of Rival Bank since I acquired our businesses about 16 years ago. A variety of roles across the business. Uh, most recently, was I was the COO for all of our farm uh, financing, up in farm farm touching businesses, uh, and then. Had started working about four or five years ago as we were growing our business uh, into one of the largest ag, production ag lenders in the U.S. 
looking at the emergence of the ag tech industry and how we wanted to start to transform how we work with clients, spending more time in that area and that area that transitioned into really uh, more a focus in that space and leading our partnership with Conservus uh, within the bank, uh, you know, starting here in the U.S. And then as we start to look uh, internationally at that partnership and how that can be the catalyst to, to transform how we work with clients um, across the entire food and ag spectrum. Excellent. No, I, uh, thanks for the introductions, uh, gentlemen. I, I appreciate it. Well, and obviously that's, you know, one of the, the keys here. And, and, you know, we've seen a lot of partnerships form uh, across the ag landscape here in recent years, you know, not only in the precision industry, but, you know, certainly broader than that. But would like to get each of your takes on, you know, just how you view the partnership between Conservus and, and Rabo, you know, kind of developing here and, and some of the motivations, objectives that are involved there and, and how you guys, uh, you know, plan, I guess, from each side to to look to leverage that and, and kind of build off of it. Yeah, we started, you know, talking several years ago with Conservus, really looking for uh, technology to, to help enable our clients to, to manage their operations in a more sustainable way continue to grow their businesses and really attracted to Pat and the Conservus team from the, tech, the technology that they bring to the farm to, to really help bring a full view of the farm operation to enable better decision making, but also you know, as important as really the focus on the farmer and putting the farmer and serves as a position of power and uh, that aligns strongly with the bank's values. Um, being a very relationship-driven organization and wanting to build those long-term relationships with our clients to enable their business success. And also the view of Conservus as an independent company of really being that platform to bring a variety of data sources together uh, to enable that that a better on-farm decision. Yeah, and and from we're Conservus that, you know, we path to the farmer began with farmers coming to us. So, since the very beginning, we've been working closely with growers of different sizes and different production practices to build a single place to manage all aspects of the farm, and that's hard. It takes time. Uh, it takes real um, a real commitment to understanding the farmer and everything around the farm. And it's some, sometimes it's not even a technology problem. It's a comprehension problem. And so as we went out and built our client base, and continue to expand our product to be ro- more robust and complete, you know, kind of across the entire production cycle. What we started to look for were the partners at the farm gate that shared either similar visions or had a necessity for the farmer to do something that if they did it would help the farmer. So an example is when a bank, which is a, an important part of a farmer's business decision-making and support and partnership, um, we started to see that our clients we're banking with Robo. And as we started to interact with Robo, to Robert's point, we were quickly, uh, I'd say, impressed with, you know, they weren't just a bank. They were truly being a partner to the farmer. And as a good partner to the farmer, they actually looked at us and said, you know, there's some things that if you did to your platform would really benefit your farm clients because there's a, a, a lot of margin pressure at the farm gate we together want to help the farmer have the most visibility in real time to know where they sit to for the health of that farm. And so for us it was twofold. It was or threefold. It was 
you know, again, common interest of, of client first, farm first, um, but it was also the comprehension at the farm gate, you know, like what we can do to actually make it better for the farmer. And I, and I think the, the third is, you know, then once you do that, uh, it becomes a competitive advantage. I mean, we, we've been growing our client base at a faster rate, uh, and we've been partnering with people in a much deeper way because of this partnership. So it's it's becoming a um, self-fulfilling promise to our clients, if you will. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One, and you've mentioned the kind of the competitive landscape that's out there, you know, in this space. And obviously, uh, the partnerships that are, are forming are certainly uh, influencing probably the future and, and you know, who the, the primary players are going to be when we move forward here. So from from that, that farmer, that end user perspective, you know, what are, are you seeing? And, and you guys could feel free to both weigh in on this, but what are you seeing in terms of that, that hunger and in terms of the tech adoption, you know, where are the uh, areas that farmers are, are most ambitious, uh, most uh, anxious as far as incorporating some of the new tech or data-driven tools that are on the market into their operations? Great question. I, I think there, there's kind of three levels. One, one is, am I getting data? Because for the last decade, collecting data at the farmer level has been so fatiguing that many farmers just didn't do it. And so the idea that, you know, if you're running John Deere with John Deere Operations Center or you're running Climate, I mean, today we're fully integrated with those systems. So data entry is being reduced, and it's being reduced in real time. So I I think there's still a big evolution of technology to reduce data entry and to make it so that the farmer's interaction with the system is more about operational decisions as opposed to data collection. That's one. Once you have that, the second layer that is becoming really critical today, there's a lot of agronomic systems and a lot of agronomic advice, but how does that translate into per field, per bushel, per farm profitability or margin? And again, under this, you know, we're in volatile times in terms of you know, the, the value of crops and the timing to go to market, cost control and being positioned to market at the best possible time requires really good information. So we're seeing farmers are really leaning into how can I get, spend a lot of time maybe in my precision planting or my, my precision environment where my tractors can, you know, we're doing auto steer, we're maybe doing some variable rate. But if I'm not making money, I, I need to find a, high, a higher resolution or I need to be able to zoom in to understand what I can do different. And so it's really connecting the business framework into those environments, which is what we've done. And, and I think for the farmers that were trying to do it before but didn't have the tools to do it, you know, it, it's fatiguing. And so, um, uh, you know, competitively, uh, you, there's a lot of agronomic systems that they really aren't competing with what we're doing. They're actually a contributor to what we're doing. And, and there are some systems uh, like Granular that's owned by an input company that's uh, Corteva that would be more competitive to what we're doing. But, you know, it's an input company that owns the business system, and some farmers are okay with that and some farmers aren't. I think uh, Echo Pat's comments across the board are, uh, you know, the, the technology solution, ease of data entry, and I think, you know, farmers are quick to adopt. Uh, technology that adds value to their operation. I mean, look at, you know, from a precision ag, you know, from an agronomic, the, the very high adoption rates that exist. 
and with all the investments in ag tech, you know, it's exciting. There's more sensors and more data, um, but it has to, you know, it all has to come together to enable that decision making. And it's not just a, it's not just a question of yield. Um, yield is only one component. Um, it's it's cost and you know, it's return on the investment and you know maximizing yield um, isn't always the best answer for the business. And it, it's bringing those various sources of data. You know if that's from the equipment, you know irrigation, water, I mean you know whatever those you know, sources are, bringing them together together um, at a very detailed level to um, really optimize all of the, the in-field farm activities to link that back to, you know, how to put a marketing plan together. So, you know, we can, we really view just yield as kind of just one of the components producers need to look at and really through the in, the lens of their, their cost of production so that they can maximize revenue. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. Both of you kind of touched on the fact that, you know, simplicity is a big component now of obviously getting farmers to kind of evolve here in, in the data agronomic space and uh, being able to reduce that data entry aspect with a lot of the platforms that are becoming certainly more intuitive in eliminating some of that. But obviously there's there's hurdles certainly still to be cleared as you've alluded to. One of the other things too that, that you know, and this, this goes back quite a while, but obviously a lot of the industry has emphasized the point of, you know, the value associated with with farmers' data and trying to quantify what exactly that value is. Was curious from your perspective, you know, how much of that are, are you hearing from from farmers in terms of, you know, is, is that a, you know, on-farm evaluation that's taking place where, you know, there's a discussion or, or conversation on, you know, how much is my, my farm data really worth? And is it an independent value? Is it a collective value? And if so, uh, you know, how, how is the market kind of defining that from, from your view? The idea that data is an alternative or an, a new cash crop, I'll call it that, a new cash crop, uh, has yet to be proven. I know there's some business models that are trying to help farmers monetize their data. There's a potential conflict because that data gets, is usually being monetized to somebody that may be a price maker. And so the price maker is trying to perfect their opportunity using data. Now, that's not always the case, but that's that's an example. For the, most of the farmers we talk to, it's one of two things. They, they, they want to have control of where their data goes and in many cases are more than willing to share or even have an exchange of value. I'll give you access to my data or give you my data, but I'm going to get something in return. And it may not be cash. It may be insights. might be a trading partner that is able to provide a premium because you're able to disclose certain data sets. But that's a very personal decision, right? That's not a benchmarking. That's not a, a group of farmers. That's a, that's, I'm going to put value in my data because of this commercial transaction we can create. What I see, and maybe Robert, you have different people, but I, what I see is farmers are one, they want to know they're in control of what happens to it. They're, they're not at large very interested in having someone else have the rights to their data to do something with it that they don't know about. That's, a, that's an issue at large. I think on the other side is, is there a way to create value? The, ber- the best first place to create value with information for that farmer is on their farm. I mean, finding efficiency, getting organized to you know, be positioned for opportunities, 
being able to report out to landlords and bankers and crop insurance. The, the, the value of that data, first and foremost, is at the farm. I, I think far before it has real meaningful value outside the farm. And, and I have yet to see many of our clients take a different view. doesn't mean there aren't some out there, but I think it's somewhere in that framework. If I want control, I'm going to make sure I, I optimize my farm first. And if there's a value exchange somewhere, I want to be in a position to take advantage of it at my discretion. And clients are really interested in how do I sell my data I agree wholeheartedly, Pat, that the value starts on the farm. And, the, you know, I, I think most producers realize that of getting, you know, a couple dollars per acre by selling it. The real value is how do they make better decisions in their farming operation that will return many multiples of that in, into their business. That's through better decision making. It's through uh, bringing that data together. So, you know, reduced data entry, higher higher degree of accuracy in there. And as you said, it, it's being in complete control and, and knowing that they are in charge of who has access to their data, how it's going to be used, for what purpose, uh, so that there's transparency and it's permissioned by them before it goes anywhere is crucial. And I think operating that basis, you, know, you can really build trust and partnerships with your clients when you, you provide them full transparency. Great perspectives uh, from, from both of you on that. Uh, I think, uh, you know, what you said there is, you know, certainly creates a lot of possibilities, you know, and there's there's not a, a definitive definitive answer yet, you know, there in, in terms of that. I know with, with obviously kind of the model that you guys have at Conservice, you guys are going farmer direct, but, you know, in terms, I guess, of the, the bigger picture and kind of that whole farm equation, you know, of obviously having additional advisors involved in helping uh, the farm customers make those decisions. You know, what what role do you see, you know, whether it's, you know, that independent agronomist, the farm equipment dealership, the retailer having kind of in that puzzle uh, in terms of, you know, what roles they might best serve when you're talking about putting all those those agronomic pieces together? Even though we go direct to our farmers, it's not uncommon for us to be brought in, working alongside, and in some cases even partnering, like we did with Robbo, to, uh, one, bring a system to bear for the farmer that brings it all together so that their advisors are in a better position to give good advice, whether it be agronomic uh, financial. I mean, we're actually now working closely with several accounting firms who are being brought in to advise their farm clients on you know, how to be best positioned for a finance conversation, how to think about legacy issues around business structure. And, and they're actually pointing to us to say, you know, farmers that have these types of data systems, we can give better advice to. So I, I think it's a very meaningful uh, conversation. I think the, the advice at all levels around the farm uh, is going to continue to get better and more actualized and more accountable when you have these types of data systems in place. And and I, we're seeing a lot of them become, I'll just call it, you know, it's, it's Geek Squad Plus or Farm Squad Plus. They're, you know, whether it be implementing the technology like at John Deere dealerships where they have their ISG groups, you know, going to the farmers and charging a service to get the technology fully implemented to, you know, business consulting on on how to, how to prepare for the future and 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 they are they're not mutually exclusive we're all working together and they, it all starts you know with the same foundational data of what's happening on the farm 
the power is really the optionality then to provide that to your whether it be your agronomic or your you know your advisors, your business advisors, your financial advisors. Yeah, all that information really rolls up, and you know, so it's not that you know any any operation have one turn to for advice. You know, our clients are you know depending on their need are, are turning in multiple directions, and so you know, that's really our goal is to leverage a lot of that. What starts is agronomic data that that's brought in and blended with significant business data to help make their decision making more efficient, to make our decision making more efficient. But at the core, it's the same information that. Um, you know, elements of it that any of their advisors would use. Mm-hmm. Really, the last question I, I had, and, and again, I think this certainly would represent and obviously part of the relationship you guys have as far as a, a trend in, in the egg industry. I wanted to get your viewpoints on how that evolution now of more partnerships and, you know, to some extent acquisitions occurring, particularly in the precision egg space, might be kind of reshaping the landscape, you know, in terms of what companies are looking for when they're rounding out their technology profiles. And this could be on the hardware side, the software side, the data side. It does seem like a lot of companies are looking for maybe those missing pieces that they don't have and and starting to turn to uh, either startup companies or companies that are establishing themselves in these areas uh, to really provide that total solution, whether it's directly to the end user through a dealer channel, but was curious, you know, how you guys see things progressing on that side, if this is something we expect to continue. I'm sure, and I hope that, you know, certainly there are, you know, the partnerships and I'm sure that, you know, there will be more mergers and acquisitions. I absolutely hope there are more partnerships in the industry. There's not going to be one advisor and that requires an open approach where, you know, the if it's an input company, if an institution can bring the better, and find new ways, platforms like Conservice to come together and collaborate to help the producer grow their operation um, and, and make it more sustainable. Yeah, taking a proprietary or closed system view is uh, is not going to help the industry grow and 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 help you know adoption accelerate. I think it takes more collaboration and partnerships to really uh, enrich the ecosystem. Yeah, the amount of time and money and talent it takes to build good technology for farmers. I don't I I I don't know that even if you could have everything in one roof that you would actually serve farmers at large. You'd end up serving a small group that were most like each other. And I think the the reason there has to be partnerships is because it's what the farmer has to have to be complete in their management. You know, uh, different parts of the country, different parts of the world, use different technologies, have different needs. Uh, I don't think it's realistic. Now, having said that, there's some core elements to these digital strategies. And anybody who serves the farmer who doesn't have a digital strategy is putting themselves at risk for someone against someone who does. Because it is becoming a new, you know, this part of the new definition of how do I work with my trading partners what value are they bringing to me? I mean, at least for Conservus, the perfect example is, you know, climate is a very pervasive and used technology across the globe, actually. And But they don't do what we do. We don't do what they do. But together, the farmer is using climate, and that information is able to move seamlessly into a business framework. And the farmer sees now one system because they're talking. They're integrated. 
but yet it's separate companies. So, you know, it fulfills each of our missions without making it zero sum. And I just don't, but having said that, obviously some people are going to continue to try and build as much of that core as they can. Um, I think the biggest issue is there's a lot of small technology companies that are an inch wide and a mile deep. And then there are, you know, if you think of it as a barbell, you've got, I forget the number now, it's like 6,000 ag tech companies, something like that, mm-hmm. of which 5,950 mm-hmm. are probably less than five employees. You know, the other grouping, which tends to be larger, uh, well-capitalized, building technology at scale. Farmers don't want to have 50 systems or 40 systems or 10 systems. They they might be okay with the half-dozen systems, but even then they want them to talk to one another. So back to Robert's point about open platforms that can communicate. I think when platforms become zero-sum, i.e., I own all of the stack and I won't communicate with others, eventually the farmer may not get what they really need and will go find the platform that serves their needs. Well, thank you, Patrick and Robert, for taking some time to share your outlook on the potential next steps for a more data-driven ag market. Once again, if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast series in iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when upcoming episodes are released. And you can also keep up on the latest precision farming news impacting your dealership by registering online for our free e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at PFD Editors and on our Precision Farming Dealer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again for the next episode in our 2019 podcast series. For Patrick Christie, Robert Lovin, and our entire staff here with Precision Farming Dealer, I'm Jack Zemlicka. Thanks for listening.